Welcome to the Conscious Economics Podcast. I'm your host, Rhiannon Roseland. I'm a serial entrepreneur and social innovator. I like to gather people from all different walks to talk about what I call the conscious economy. I believe that we can create a more equitable system, one that honors the well-being of people, the well-being of the planet, the well-being of business, and includes art and creativity. Join us each week as we tackle a different intersection of this big but critical conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Conscious Economics Podcast. We are in season two, and today we are joined by a fabulous friend and guest. Um, Kadrina Abenascu is an environmentalist, writer, humanitarian, and president of the Rural Urban Learning Association. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit with Kadrina about her work, obviously, as an environmentalist what it feels like to be a young woman leading charity, which I think is really, really cool, and just your own personal journey. So let's start there, Kadrina, because you and I have had many, many conversations and gotten to know each other and work together for a couple of years now. How long has it been? I don't know, a year, year and a half. I would say definitely between two to three years. Yeah, that's unbelievable (laughs) how fast the time is going when we're in this COVID time. But I really do see you as such a social innovator at heart. So I want the audience to kind of understand your story of how you became that kind of a, a social innovator. Where does that come in for you? Yeah, Rhiannon, I love that question because I didn't, before you asked me that question, I didn't necessarily see myself as a social innovator. Mm -hmm. So really, I began to reflect on it over the last few weeks, and I began to understand that it's very much rooted in my values. And I've always thought differently. I've always tried to see beyond the boundaries of what exists before us. And I I realized that if I wanted to feel purposeful Mm -hmm. and fulfilled in life, I needed to pave my own way. Mm -hmm. I needed to follow my own calling And I needed to do so with courage and with authenticity. So I think that's what led me on the path to social innovation. And I think it actually stemmed from when I was younger because I've written poetry since I was young. I was like, I want to write a book. And I actually ended up doing that one day. I started pairing the book with uh, typewritten poems and jewelry. I was always thinking creatively and I was like, how can I bring myself self-sustenance, but also ensure that I have a meaningful and inspirational impact on Mm -hmm. others. I live my way or my life in a way where impact is incredibly important to me. Mm -hmm. So that's even the day-to-day impacts. It's the day-to-day conversations. It's the lifestyle choices. It's the values that I embody. And then also the the professional career decisions that I make, whether that's volunteering, Mm -hmm. whether that is my job, whether that is the Rural Urban Learning Association. So I think no matter what I end up doing, I always know I want to do so with an open heart and an open mind. Mm, I love that. And, you know, you do show up that way with an open heart and an open (laughs) mind. And again, when we talk about this idea of a conscious economy, which again, it's like economy, it sounds like this big hard word, but I think really what you just said of you try to show up with this integrity and this heart openness in all spaces. And you look at, you know, social innovation can be the way you treat someone in a simple meeting or exchange, or it can be actually creating a project that's going to truly make collective change. So it, it is all one in the same in the way that we show up. And I always have seen that in you. And I think we kind of reflect that back to each other, which yeah, is super fun. That. So one of the things that before we get into what you do at the Rural Urban Learning Association, because I really do want to talk about that. I do want to talk about this 
way of working and being that is coming from perhaps a different place inside of ourselves. And so again, when we think about traditional work and we think about the way our system is currently set up, we are, you know, a very power-driven society. We are egoic in many ways. We are trying to kind of dominate over one over the other. I mean, that's been traditionally what's happened. And so we've come to the state of imbalance where profit has been made at the expense of people in the planet. And this is something that we really want to shift. And I think generationally, there is this movement that like, it just won't cut it anymore for, for the younger generations. It's like these generations have come more enlightened and more evolved than the last that is the way it should be I really do think so I always look to the younger generations as inspiration to where we're going where we're headed and you are one of those young leaders that to me works from this new space which is the heart space Mm -hmm. so you're drawing from your heart space even in the way that you show up as a leader or the way that you hold like a board meeting you're showing up from that heart space what does that mean to you and I say that and how can you describe working from that space to those who may not understand what we're saying great question (laughs) as always so I think the heart space is is a very subjective experience, but it's a collective experience that we all share. And when one person shows up in their heart space, it inspires other people to show up to that same level of depth. And I'm not going to go ahead and say it's easy work because it's not. And I'd rather be honest about it. So I think that it takes a lot of reconditioning. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of critical self-analyzation and being honest with yourself and asking yourself, what do I need to tweak inside of myself so this energy that exists inside of me, this, this joy, this love, this creativity, this intuition can flow freely again. Mm. And you always have to keep working at it. And once you continue to do so, you can show up authentically and inspire others to show up authentically. And I think what we say, what we think, our intentions, our energies, the way we live our life matters. Mm. And we there's so much of the world that goes unseen. We use, what, 10% of our brain? And then 90% is subconscious. Mm-hmm. So what is that subconsciousness? Mm. And how can we get in touch with it? Because I think that's where our power lies, too. Oh, yeah. And I sometimes so. uh, there's gifts in trauma, for example. And we often don't think of it that way. We don't realize that what we deem to be darkness can have a certain gift that it can provide us. But one example that I wanted to bring forward just to bring it back to social innovation is uh, the death of my grandmother, who was such an elder in my life, this intergenerational beam of wisdom, of integrity. And she was always dedicating her life to the community. And she really inspired me in the way she lived her life. I was really raised by her a lot of the time. And I think that's why I value intergenerationality and also the seven generations wisdom a lot because I've felt it, I've experienced it. It's embodied knowledge, right? So that experience triggered an awakening in me. It also triggered, I guess, a lot of pain, a lot of grief. But at the end of that tunnel, I found meaning. And I found a realization of wanting to dedicate my life to things beyond myself, to be of service to the world, Mm -hmm. and to do so from that heart space. And to know that when you can show up in that heart space and you invite others to do so, there's this incredible depth and passion 
enjoy that life has. Yes. I think that that is so beautiful. Thank you for telling us the story about your grandmother. I was also raised by my grandmother. My last name, Rosalind, is my grandmother's first name. So I changed my name to embody that part of my ancestry and that matriarchal lineage. Um, And like your grandmother, my grandmother was um, a community builder. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in a house where she would invite people over of all kind of swath into the house to talk about the issues Um, and I grew up that that being very very normal and so again it's that embodiment of how do we take the legacy of these women and how do we you know put that into our modern lives and how do we take that approach and there is also in any intergenerational sort of uh, lineage there is also the trauma there is the pain there is the suffering there is the things that maybe she wasn't able to do because the times didn't call for it and so as we evolve in society and as more opens up we have to you know seize that moment and be able to do some of the things that they've broken ground for us to do which is so special and so that kind of leads me into I think this movement of women and it's men and women and all genders and identities but I'm meeting a lot of women who are like I'm done not working from this heart space like because when we are disconnected from it life is lifeless it's dull it's routine it's stagnant and I too reached my own point of awakening where I was limiting that part of myself because I was trying to show up in a world that didn't honor that currency of heart it actually was seen as a weakness or you know why are you so soft in your approach and there was no space for it it felt but it was making me sick doing the opposite and so I had to really come to terms with how do I show up in a world and in a, in, in a you know system that doesn't feel like it honors this currency? How do I keep showing up that way? And how do I, you know, when you're open like that, you can be hurt and you of can, course, yeah. you know, take those take things in. And so now you are this young woman and you're at the helm of this old charity. Um, you know, the, the rural Urban Learning Association is a legacy charity. It's been around for many, 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 many years. And some of the board is um, has been there a very long time. And then there's this new energy. And here you are stepping in as the leader and the president of this organization as a young woman. And I've watched you conduct yourself. And I've watched you pull people in of all different age and you know background. And it's such an, an interesting leadership um, that you embody. Hold that thought. We have a quick word from our partners before going back to the episode. This podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, RBC Investees. Backed by expert human advisors, RBC Investees is a smart, online, automated investment service that allows you to invest with low effort and low cost. Open your first RBC Investees account and pay no management fees for your first year. Plus, start investing with as little as $100. Simply visit rbcinvesties.com slash getinvesting and sign up using promo code AA407. And now back to the episode. So how did you get to that point of being that confident to show up in that heart space and lead from that space in real life, tangible work? Yeah, it took lots of reflection and lots of thinking. And I realized that I want to drive a purpose-driven charity. And what I mean by that is I know each individual human being has their own purpose. They have their own alignment. 
And I think that's where our strengths lie. So why not cultivate and nourish that strength that people have collectively and to do so in a non-hierarchical way Mm -hmm. that allows people the space to speak freely, to feel like there's a non-judgmental space that they can express themselves, that they can be who they are. Um, Because I think we've all struggled with being in spaces where we haven't felt like we can be ourselves and that we can really step into, like you say, your power, Mm -hmm. right? So I think I want to cultivate everybody's power and to not necessarily like trigger it, but to provide the space where they can step into it themselves Mm -hmm. because everybody can do the work. Mm -hmm. And I think that we can all heal together and heal each other. And like you say, heal the economy, heal the planet. But that requires us stepping into our power. And that takes lots of courage. And that takes lots of work. But it's the most meaningful experience that you can have living Mm -hmm. a mindful and conscious life and and living from your heart. And it's this boundless joy that you want to share with others and that, you know, others can collectively experience. It's, it's what we're meant to Mm. be really. How do you tangibly practice this in your life? Like how do you stay in that place? What are your, do you have any tips or tools or (laughs) things that you do in order to actually stay in that, in that space? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's an oscillation. I don't think we're always meant to stay in that place. Mm -hmm. And so I know that twists the question a little bit, but I think when we're not in that space and we're feeling low, maybe we're feeling like we need to work through a lot of things, listen to that intuition and kind of incubate a little bit and see what your emotions and what your thoughts are trying to tell you. Mm -hmm. I think that we are our own teachers as much as everybody else is Mm -hmm. our own teacher. And I'm a huge fan of yoga, so I definitely go to yoga Mm -hmm. because I show up and it's a challenge. But that challenge teaches you your own power, how you can move through those challenges and that adversity and that you become stronger on the other side and that you are a lot stronger and more capable than you think you are. And it teaches you to be kind to yourself. It teaches you to be compassionate to yourself because so many people in life have these negative thought patterns. And I've been guilty of that too, of course, like anybody. But it's important to rewire those thought patterns to believe that you're worthy, to believe that you're capable. Mm -hmm. And then when you start feeling that way on the inside, it shows up. It shows up on the outside. And then life gives you opportunities for you to step into that alignment. Mm. I think that that's so beautifully said. And again, I, I do believe it's that oscillation. And, and I know even for myself, for me to show up and embody a lot of light and joy and positivity, there is always the opposite of that. And I have come through tons of darkness and I for hold sure. a lot of darkness still inside of me is the is the reality. And so it is this ability. And I think one of the things that happens, especially to people who show up like you, and I can say this because I feel like there's a, a similarity sometimes is people then think that that's the only way that you are right. and they don't understand the other layers. Of and course, sometimes yeah. we make assumptions when people are showing up in this kind and like soft way that that's just all of them and that there's no space for you know these other parts of you Mm -hmm. so how do you make space for those other parts of you that maybe aren't as joyful where does that come in for you wow (laughs) great question I didn't prepare you for this so (laughs) let's go um yeah yeah no I think 
your husband, Jeff, taught me so much about that because he said something so profound one day that just stuck with me. It was holding space for what we deem to be negative. Mm -hmm. So it's about holding that space and about holding that awareness, no matter where you are in life, you could be doing anything. Mm -hmm. You could be finishing up work, you could be going for a walk, you could be driving home. But being aware of it and holding that space and realizing that you're not going to stay there, Mm -hmm. I think is one thing. Realizing the transitory nature of life or the ephemeral nature of life helps to helps one get through things that are insurmountable sometimes Mm -hmm. you know and obviously I've had to face my own darkness as well in life you Mm -hmm. know like from past relationships to um, just anything in life maybe negative behaviors that I wanted to overcome negative lifestyles but I think treating yourself from a space of compassion regardless of where you're at Mm -hmm. is a really good step to start. And I do agree with that and that sometimes in and of itself can take work when we haven't seen that emulated before. And we live in a society where we kind of are devoid of self-love. We haven't been taught how to love ourselves, how to hold that space for when we're going through a difficult moment. But the way that you speak always reminds me of, you know, Buddhist foundational principles because this idea of life ever changing and evolving in the impermanence of all states, mm-hmm. you know, in the bliss states and also in the the hard states that there is this impermanence that we always will be able to shift and grow and mold into something else. And so I think that that's a really beautiful, a beautiful concept to hold. And so when we come into shifting and evolving and we start talking about the, the essence of some of your work as an environmentalist and also so at the helm of the um, Rural Urban Learning Association, I do want to talk about how our planet is evolving, mm-hmm. how uh, Mother Earth is shifting right now, and how that is actually requiring us to shift, whether we think we're in control um, or not. I really do mm-hmm. feel that there is this energetic movement that's happening right now, and that all sentient living you know, creatures on this planet, including the planet itself, is evolving. Mm-hmm. And so how does the Rural Urban Learning Association approach this topic? And what is the goal of the organization? Yeah, I'd love to talk about that because I think we are in such a pinnacle point of time right now. Uh, we're facing one of the greatest existential threats that we've ever faced as a humanity, as a collective, as all of sentient life. And when we're faced with these insurmountable challenges, like social innovators, we're forced to think of different ways that we can come towards solutions for these problems. And, you know, unfortunately, not all problems in life have solutions, but fortunately, the climate crisis does. And there are people that are at the forefront of this movement, incredible people uh, from the indigenous Amazon, you know, that are working tirelessly as stewards of the land and providing hope for the rest of us to know that we are a part of the natural world as much as the natural world is a part of us. And understanding that interconnectivity from the food that we eat to the air that we breathe, the water that we drink, we're all interconnected. And I think the climate crisis has really reflected that, you know, and I think the COVID-19 pandemic has really exacerbated it so Mm -hmm. much more. So the context of the Rural Urban Learning Association in its role of climate change is really to help provide shifts of consciousness Mm -hmm. in how. 
well, I think through the way that we run our organization, also the conversations that we have, the education that we disseminate, the experiential learning opportunities that we can provide students with to to rebuild that connection with the land. Mm. Um, because I overheard one of your other podcasts and I remember you were mentioning that you spend more time in nature now. Mm-hmm. And I think that is an essential place to start because nature and you know i'm going to go ahead and say mother earth needs to have this relationship building with her Mm -hmm. and when we start building this relationship with the natural world and we facilitate students people from all walks of life to build this relationship you start to realize that you have a responsibility for it and you also start to realize that you have an empathic connection with all of life, and that's called biophilia. It's the love of life, mm. the love of things that are alive. Mm. We have this innate to us, and that's why we feel the suffering of it as well. And I'm not going to go ahead and say it's always all light because it's not. We have to acknowledge the suffering that has already happened and to hold space for that grief and that sadness and that anger that we feel. But we can transform that into empowerment. Yes. And I think that's what my role is. I think I've, I've been able to inspire a lot of students to realize that you don't have to stay there. Mm-hmm. You don't have to stay in that uh, anger or that negativity. Hold space for it. Experience it. And then use it as a way, as fuel to make you proactive and take action in all areas of your life. Because mm-hmm. you are living your purpose every day every moment and the decisions that you make in your day-to-day life matters so the rural urban learning association wants to focalize on climate solutions on indigenous trust and relationship building on food security and food sovereignty education and bridging the connection between rural and urban communities i think statistics showed that only two percent of people are farmers now and in the 1800s it was somewhere around um definitely more than 60 or 70 percent so it's gone down exponentially but the demand has gone up so much more as well Mm -hmm. and the reality is the climate crisis is going to impact everybody yes so we are all responsible for it Mm -hmm. and i think that we can inspire others to to be that change and not wait for that change to happen, but to be that change. I love the message that you continue to kind of thread through everything you're saying, because it is this idea of how you find your own resolve in your own challenges personally is the same application to the collective. Mm -hmm. And so again, when we think about the climate crisis that we're in and we're watching it unfold and we're having very real impact of it, I mean, we're just looking right now at what's happening in in British Columbia um, as just one small example. I mean, there's so many examples constantly, but I think our tendency, and this is because this is how we've been programmed, is that when we see something that's, you know, scary and bad and awful, we want to numb from it. We want to hide from it. We want to deny it. And so, but the reality is, and this is what you're saying, rather than doing that, and it's not that it's easy, but when you actually lean into it, when you actually embrace it, I was speaking to a friend who is a karate expert, I guess, (laughs) and he said that, you know, they teach you to actually go towards the punch, like actually lean into it. And that is what is happening in our world right now. 
We're either going to continue to ignore, stuff it down, feel like, oh, we can maybe justify why we don't have to do anything or why it's someone else's job. But in the end of the day, if we can actually hold the space to witness it, to be in it, to feel the pain, to feel the horror, to feel all of the injustice. And then from that place, once we felt it, take what that spark is Mm -hmm. and apply that. And that to me is such a profound message. It's why I've been so attracted to work with you and to be involved you know, with the organization, because I believe in in the essence of the people behind it and what that message is. And I do agree so much just to kind of end off of how important it is to bring rural and urban communities and perspectives together, because there is such a divide and there is such a distance. And when you think about anyone who, and I've admitted this, that I've felt sometimes disconnected from the climate movement because I was raised in poverty and there was always like an economic lens that was Mm -hmm. keeping us all at a pace that it felt like there was no time to actually pay attention. And that's why for me, nature was the first place I needed to reconnect with nature because my life was so disconnected from it. We Mm -hmm. are so domesticated. We're on screens where we don't think about where our food's coming from. We don't think of all of these, these systems and people and families that are behind all of these pieces and now we're in this generational resurgence where you know even for Jeff and I my partner like we want to cultivate land and Mm -hmm. like we want to put our hands in the soil and that's something that and but I'm terrified like I don't even have a garden hoe (laughs) but like I want to do that I'm called to it because it scares me but because it's a part of who we are and we come from that ground like uh, everything that sustains us comes from this planet so I think that sometimes in in rural communities where there is more access to nature and having to work with the elements and all of these pieces there is maybe an understanding that sometimes urban centers don't get to have that same access or how would you describe it in terms of what the divide is that's a whole discussion in itself but I think to bring it back to conscious economics it's really about conscious consumption Sometimes we don't know when we're walking into uh, a corporation what types of different communities or families we are supporting. And I think to have that transparency is really important because I remember having an experience when I did a field course in Costa Rica where we actually got to visit the farms and speak with the farmers And they were saying that they only receive 10% of the overall profit when they actually work with these corporations. So I think it's essential to begin to interrogate that and to understand it so that we can make informed decisions from a conscious place and to understand where our money is going as well. Yes. Ethically as well. Yeah. I think it's so important. And again, for anyone who feels like the words consciousness or economics are are inaccessible want to just remind everyone that our economic system is really just the value system within our society and it's how it expresses itself and the consciousness is just a deeper awareness so if we get hungry and we want to investigate and know more of ourselves but also of you know the currencies that we spend or the people that it impacts that is conscious economics yes Um, and it can express itself in so many different ways Mm -hmm. it's not nobody owns it it is for everyone to see how it expresses through them so you are the epitome of a conscious leader Kadrina I'm so honored that you were able to come here today where can folks find out more about you and your work so with the Rural Urban Learning Association we always encourage new members we love for anybody of 
any walk of life to get involved. You can reach us on Instagram at the Rural Urban Learning Association. We also have a Facebook page and we have a website at rurallearning.org. Um, I'm sure they could also get involved by reaching out to either one of us. Though. Yeah, absolutely. I can always point people in the right direction. Um, the Rural Urban Learning Association is a collective partner of Conscious Economics. So you guys are definitely up on our site as well. And for anyone that's watching right now that wants to get involved, that has more questions, I think we're all very open to answering them and inviting you into this movement. No matter where you are, I think there's a role and a space for everyone. So it's so exciting. Such an honor again to be with with you Katrina Likewise. thank, you so, thank much. you so much and to all of our listeners tuning in thank you for joining us we will see you again next week with another episode on the conscious economics podcast bye for now this podcast is brought to you by CPP investments at CPP investments they never lose sight of the long term they invest the Canadian pension plan fund to help provide financial security for generations of Canadians they diversify the CPP fund across geographies and asset classes to access the best investment opportunities and generate sustainable long-term returns. The fund is now more than $400 billion. To learn more about their investment performance for Canadians, visit cppinvestments.com.